This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Good morning, Johannesburg. So glad to be back with you again. It seems like forever we've been away. And uh, I'm excited to continue on with our series, 10 Reasons Why Praying in the Spirit is Important. This is number seven. And uh, we're about to wrap this series up and move on to something different in the area of the power of prayer. I sense the Spirit of God directing me to teach on prayer because it's so necessary for Christians worldwide to intercede and pray today. Seeing what we're facing in our world, only prayer and only God can fix our problems. So let's continue then. Open your Bible to Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12. I'm using the New King James translation for this verse. And I do believe it would be a good idea for you to take a pen out and write in your Bible. So open up your Bible to Colossians 4 verse 12 in the New Testament. And then let's begin reading. All right, now Paul is writing this letter to the church of Colossae. And uh, here in verse 12, he refers to a man by the name of Ephraim. And he says, Ephraim, who is one of you, who is one of you. What's that mean? That means he's from Colossae. A bond servant of Christ. What does that mean? That means he is a pastor. He is the pastor of the church of Colossae. Then he says, greets you. What does that mean? That means that Ephraim is with Paul while he's writing this letter to the church at Colossae. That Ephraim is not in Colossae. He's with Paul as he writes. Then he says about the man, he is always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Always laboring fervently for you in prayers. What's that tell us? That tells us that he's praying in the spirit, praying in other tongues. The word labor, fervently, can only be done when someone is travailing in prayer in other tongues. That's an unction of the Holy Spirit given to help him pray for the people in Colossae to take their place and pray on their behalf for them. He says that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So Paul says that Ephesus is praying for you, Church of Colossae, that you can stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So, Paul says, Ephesus is praying that every individual in the church of Colossae would be strong spiritually, stable spiritually, and pleasing to God by carrying out all of the Father's plans and purposes in their lives individually and collectively as a church. So, that's a powerful scripture. Say this with me. 
One man prayed God's will. Please say that together. One man prayed God's will into every believer in the entire church in Colossae. Incredible that one man was able to pray every believer into the perfect plan of God. I like to pray that way when I pray during my daily prayer time for all those that God has placed under my care. I like to include all the Christians in Johannesburg and in San Antonio and all those in CFC International in our 1,300 churches and 80 somewhat Bible schools and all the students, teachers, staff members, wherever they may be. And then I also like to include in that scripture, Colossians 4.12, when I pray, using that verse, I like to include all Christians everywhere in that verse and pray that all believers will stand firmly, perfectly, and complete the will of God for their lives. That means that every aspect of their life would be under the guidance, inspiration of God, and that he would be able to take care of them in every way as well. That prayer that I pray, I got that idea from reading Colossians 4.12. Because I saw here that I can do that. I can pray for everybody under my spiritual care. And that means also that I can pray for myself to walk in God's perfect plan that way. If I can pray for others, so I can pray for myself. If you can pray that way for others, you can pray that way for yourself. And we can pray for our families. We can pray for our children. If our children are going off the rails, we can say this simple little confession before we pray. Say, Holy Spirit, I am praying on behalf of my children. And then begin to pray. Try that. Say this, Holy Spirit, I am praying on behalf of my children. I yield to you to pray through me right now for them. And he will help you. So we have parents praying for their children that way, and we have children praying for their parents that way. Now let's go to John chapter 16 and verse 13. The B part of the verse says, He, the Holy Spirit, will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will tell you things to come. There's two points I'd like to mention here that this verse highlights. The one is that the Holy Spirit will guide you. God didn't send prophets to guide us. He sent the Holy Spirit to guide us. The Old Testament had prophets because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. But today, we have the Holy Spirit. And the second point is, he will tell us things to come. He will tell us the future. So we can confess as we pray in the Spirit, Dear Holy Spirit, thank you for revealing to me my future or anything I should know about the future. I receive your instruction. And you will begin to understand 
about your future. All right, now let's go to Ezekiel 36. I'd like you to turn there. This is important. Find the book of Ezekiel. I'll wait a moment and go to chapter 36. Now bear in mind here that Ezekiel spoke by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is a prophecy that the Holy Spirit spoke through the prophet Ezekiel. And this prophecy was given many, many years before Jesus came to the earth and died on the cross. All right? So if you found Ezekiel 36, look at verse 25. Now, so as I said, he's prophesying about what will happen when Jesus comes to the earth and the Holy Spirit comes to the earth. He's telling us what's going to happen in the new covenant. All right, here we go. Ezekiel 36, 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. So God says to the nation of Israel, I'll sprinkle you with clean water, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you. What's he talking about? God doesn't always explain clearly in his prophecies what he's talking about. We have to use his wisdom to understand. He's telling us that he's going to make us clean, and this is referring to the blood of Jesus that will be shed in the future on the cross to make us clean. The next verse, 26, tells us, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll give you a new heart. What is he talking about here? This is talking about the born-again experience where God puts his own heart into us. Our heart is our spirit man. And God puts his spirit into our spirit so that we have the same heart understanding that God has for situations, people, places, and things. That we have God's compassion, God's nature, God's character. These are things that he puts inside of us when we get born again. He gives us a new nature. He gives us the nine fruit of the Spirit of God. Then he goes on to say, in the next verse, 27, I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. So he says, I'll put my spirit in you, and that will enable you to obey me and do what I've called you to do in your life. What's that talking about? That's talking about being filled with the spirit, being filled with the spirit. Enabling, allowing the Holy Spirit then to guide us and direct our lives and for us to then by his ability obey him. Now this is a prophecy, as I said, from Ezekiel, spoken by the Holy Spirit through him about Calvary till, still to come. Also, it describes our experience in the new covenant. 
that describes our experience, what life would be like in the new covenant here in the New Testament today, talking about us. So let's say this together, please. Say this. By the help of the Holy Spirit, when I pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will help me and cause me to live for God and fulfill His plan. Praise God. So depending on the Holy Spirit is the only way we're going to fulfill the plan of God and live a godly life. We make the decision. It's our responsibility to live godly. It's our responsibility to fulfill the plan of God. But the way we go about it is important. We can't do it in our own strength. We have to do it with God's strength. Paul said, I do all things by the strength of Christ. Philippians 4.13. All right, now. Reason number nine. Why praying in the Spirit is important is, it is fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It is fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So, praying in tongues is personal interaction with the Holy Spirit the whole time. That's why what 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2 says, for he that speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. So say that, when I speak in tongues, I'm speaking directly with the Father. We are fellowshipping with God. Now, I enjoy my quiet time with the Lord every day. But when I finish praying and spending my time reading the Word, I do like to continue fellowshipping with the Lord throughout the day. Now, there are times when that's not really possible. I'm talking to somebody or working, um, occupied. But when I have a quiet moment, I can sing in tongues, I can tell God I love him, and I can also pray in tongues. I can pray in tongues. Not out loud, but loud enough so I can hear myself praying, but no one else will hear me praying. Just stay in fellowship with the Holy Spirit and with the Father. All right, so reason number 10 why praying in the Spirit is important is because we can worship God and give God thanks in our heavenly prayer language. We can worship God in other tongues actually more effectively than we can in our home language. Let's see what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 16, please. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 16. Here, I'm going to use the New Living Translation. For if you praise God only in the Spirit, in other tongues, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you are saying? So according to this verse, yes, I can praise God in other tongues, 
But according to this verse, no one else understands me. Fine, fair enough. So if I'm in public in a church situation like this now, unless everybody's praying in tongues together, if I'm on my own here talking to you and I start praying in tongues and praising God in tongues, you won't know why I'm doing that. But if I had to do that in English and tell you all what I'm praising God about, then that would benefit you more. So that's what he's telling us. Verse 17 says, you'll be giving thanks very nicely. So when I pray in tongues, I'm giving God thanks very nicely. No doubt. But it doesn't help the other people present. But it wouldn't help you because you wouldn't know what I'm thanking God for. So the only one benefiting by that would be me, not you. So therefore, when I'm in public with other Christians, instead of talking to them in tongues, I need to talk to the people in a language they can understand. Verse 18 says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. So Paul says, I just want you to know, I pray in tongues, and I worship God in tongues more than all of you do. Of course, he's referring to his private prayer time in private life. And, uh, and I can believe that. Because Paul had many, many very unique God encounters. And that's because of his deep, intimate fellowship with God through praying in the Spirit. Now, when we praise God in our home language, we do find fulfillment in our hearts. But we run out of things to say. I can tell God I love him and I worship him and I do that. I can tell him over and over and over. And that's about it. You know, you, you, you run out of things to say. You run out of things to say. And uh, so, and I do find fulfillment in that, of course. However, when we worship God in tongues, and I sing in tongues, and I pray in tongues, I have a greater expression of gratitude. I can express my gratitude far greater when I do that in tongues. And not only that, I have a greater fulfillment. I'm more satisfied when I give God praise in tongues. I have a greater knowing on the inside of me. The time that I spent praising God and worshiping God was fruitful. A greater, it's like taking a deep drink from a glass of water when you're really thirsty, or just taking a mouthful of water when you're really thirsty. You need more than a mouthful. You need a whole glass, possibly. So that's the difference, the only way I can explain it. It's a good idea to sing along with, in, in, with everybody, singing in English or whatever language we sing in in church. That's important. Sing along, sing the songs, and worship God in the church worship service. But I also want to encourage you, at times, to sing in tongues. Sing along with the tune in your heavenly prayer language at times during the praise and worship. And uh, you'll find, if you do that, you'll get more out of that time of worship than only singing in English or your home language. Try that. See how that works for you. Now have a look at Acts chapter 10 and verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, 
The Holy Spirit fell upon all who had heard the message. Here, Peter's come to Cornelius' house with some Jewish Christians to preach the gospel. And Cornelius and his family and friends, a nice big crowd of people, they're waiting and listening to Peter. And these are Gentiles. In other words, they're not Jews. And uh, so Peter began to preach to them about Jesus. And verse 45 says, the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles too. So the Jewish Christians were amazed that the Holy Spirit poured out on those Gentile Christians, non-Jewish Christians, because they're not Jews, they're not circumcised. And that was a shock to them back in those days. Verse 46 says, and there could be no doubt about it. They couldn't argue with the fact that the Holy Spirit came upon that crowd of people because they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So they were all, they all got full of the Holy Ghost. They must have got born again and full of the Holy Ghost all at the same time. And then they began to praise God in other tongues. It says, they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Praising God in their heavenly language. So these are brand new baby Christians, just got born again, just got full of the Holy Ghost, and they all together in unity, the whole group, are praising God and worshiping God in their heavenly prayer language. So if that's for all of them, it's definitely for all of us. I want to end off with two stories. In 1991, during our Christmas play, Pastor Bear was doing the narration of the play when this happened. Firstly, we began to worship God in the beginning. The church was in semi-darkness as we had the candles going. And then when the play started, She was uh, doing the narration, and uh, I received this burden to pray. I received it during the praise and worship, in the beginning. And I knew this was not a burden to birth something, not a burden to pray to birth something new, God's plan and purpose for our life or the church. I knew this was a burden to avert danger, to avert danger, a burden to stop a problem. I had a knowing in my heart that someone would die. And it was as if that person had already died. I was experiencing the grief of someone close to me dying. And uh, so I yielded to the Holy Spirit, said, Holy Spirit, Begin to pray. I yield to you now. 
intercede for this. And uh, I, I began to pray under my breath, loud enough to where I could hear it, but softly enough that no one else would hear it. And I prayed for over an hour during the worship and then also during the, uh, the play, as Pastor Bill was narrating the play. Then after about an hour, the heaviness, the sadness, the grief began to lift and the peace took the place and took its place in my heart. The play eventually finished and for some reason, Pastor Bear didn't say goodbye to me, but she simply walked out of the service and I did not know where she went. I thought maybe she went to the back to the green room or whatever and found out that she had gone, left the church and she left the children behind, left them with me. So eventually I came home with the kids to find out this is what happened. Pastor Bev went straight home. She opened the gate, remote control, drove inside, closed the gate, did not open the garage door, but parked in the driveway. Instead of going in the back door, which we always do, next to the garage, into the kitchen, she went around the front, up the stairs, into the front door. And when she opened the door with her key, she was confronted by four burglars. They were large men, and they were stealing our belongings. Their arms were full of our belongings. And when they saw Pastor Bev, they dropped our belongings, ran past her, and dived over a six-foot wall like their life was in danger. Just amazing situation. So we called the police. They came. We didn't find anything missing. They didn't manage to get away with anything. They were about to, but they didn't. And uh, the police told us that Pastor Bev was very lucky, this is the words they used, very lucky that she is alive. She's, they said because a lot of women would be raped and even murdered in a case like that. So we understand that the Holy Spirit knew about this and prevented that dangerous situation. And um, I, I often wonder what happened with those men running like that. Why they flee like that? Because certainly when I look at Pastor Bev, I'm not scared and I don't want to jump over a six-foot wall. They must have seen something that made them terrified. And I can only think they saw her angel, 10 feet tall, standing next to her with a drawn sword. That's what I imagine. But I'm fully persuaded, though, that if I had not prayed and obeyed the Holy Spirit, my wife might have been raped or maybe not even be with us today. Now, most people, when something like that happens, when they get this burden to pray, they don't recognize what it is. They think they're depressed. 
They want to go and eat something in the fridge. They want to go for counseling. No. God wants you to pray. That's all it is. That's all it is. Praise the Lord. All right, I have one more story for you before we close. In 1996, I was woken up from a deep sleep at about 2 o'clock in the morning. And I had a burden to pray. I sensed it was a dangerous situation the Holy Spirit wanted to avert. And I didn't want to disturb my wife, so I got out of bed and went downstairs. And I put my knees on the floor in the living room and my elbows on the settee. And I began to pray. I said, Holy Spirit, whatever this burden is that you're giving me, I yield it to you now to pray and prevent this problem. And I began to pray. But immediately, I prayed fervently with gushings. I mean, I was praying hard and fast. I was being carried along by the Holy Spirit. It was effortless. And after praying, this is about 2 o'clock in the morning, for about an hour or so, I said, yeah, Holy Spirit, what is this I'm praying about? And in my heart, I knew I'm praying for Jacques, our youth pastor. He was full-time on staff at the time. And his life was in danger. So I continued praying from 2 o'clock that morning till 6 o'clock in the morning. And the sun began to rise. And this terrible burden began to roll away. And joy and peace came into his place. And I felt like singing and worshiping God. The burden was gone. I knew in my heart all was well. And since I'd been up since 2 o'clock in the morning, I thought I'd just have breakfast and go to work out at the gym. So um, I got in the car reversed out the garage when all of a sudden our gate opened and in drove Jacques. And he parked his car and I beckoned to him, come sit in my car with me. So I opened the door, got inside. And I said to him, Jacques, this is what happened last night. Two o'clock in the morning, I was awakened by the Holy Spirit to go pray for you. I told him how I interceded. And I told him, the devil is going to try and kill you, Jacques. But don't be concerned. I've already prayed through on this matter. And God is going to protect you. You will not be hurt. And the reason I'm telling you, Jacques, is so that you can be alert and prepared and not be afraid when it happens. And not be afraid when it happens. So, so a few days later on Sunday night after church, Jacques gave someone a, a ride home to their house and then proceeded to ride on to his own house. And it was raining, cats and dogs, that night. And he was driving on the N3 freeway, approaching Bedford View, 
at a place where two freeways merge. And there now were four lanes taking a corner. It was raining hard and it was dark. And for some unknown reason, as he was taking that long turn, his car began to spin down the freeway. Finally came to a stop, facing the oncoming traffic. He was staring into the headlights of cars flying by at high speed in the rain. But his car engine cut out. And so he opened the door. He first turned his steering wheel, locked it, opened the door, went to the back of the car and pushed his car off the freeway. So while he's pushing his car off the freeway, cars are flying by at high speed. Right behind him, you could feel the rain hit him and the water hit him and the wind as the cars went by. And no car hit him. No car touched him. So when he got home, he firstly he got to the side of the road and he got back in the car, turned the ignition, the car started. I thought to myself, Jacques, why didn't you do that while you're sitting in the car on the freeway? Why push it off, you know, and then try and turn it? But anyway, it started and he drove home. He called me, told me what happened. I said to him, Jacques, weren't you scared when all those cars are flying by at high speed in the dark? And he said, not at all. He says, while I was pushing the car to the side of the road, he said, I remembered what you said, Pastor Theo. I remembered what you said, and I was completely at peace. I just pushed it off knowing God's got this. I'm fine. I'm safe. Anyway, he added this though at the end of his story. He said, well, he says, now that I think back on the subject, he says, my knees are having fellowship. My knees are having fellowship. So once again, I'm fully persuaded that the Holy Spirit had not warned me to pray that the devil's plan would not have been stopped. It was Satan's plan, obviously, for one of those cars to hit him that dark night in that pouring rain, for one of those cars to hit him on that freeway at high speed, and for Jacques to die. But God intervened. The Holy Ghost knows the beginning from the end. And He'll call us to prayer when it's necessary. And we pray anyway, but special times of prayer come to us. Don't ignore them. Don't ignore them. Don't reject them. Not only do times of danger come to us to prevent, but also we pray and give birth to very important aspects of our life and God's purpose. So, I encourage you then to pray, stop the devil, and release God to bring victory into your life. All right, so we'll continue on with our subject. Next weekend, I'll be changing the direction. I'll be talking about prayer, but I'll be talking about the power of prayer in your life. All right? At this point in time, all of you that need prayer, whatever it might be, you need prayer in your life, you need help for healing, you want to receive the Holy Spirit maybe in speaking tongues, 
you want direction from God, whatever it is, if you'll come forward right now, the leaders, the fellowship group leaders and pastors are up in front here now, ready to minister to you. Lay hands on you, agree with you, and God will answer your prayer. So come on up right now. As the worship team sings and worships God, we're going to pray for the sick. Go ahead. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.